Amen. Amen. So glad that each and every one of you is here with us. And I know there's a lot of places to be. And looking around, you can tell there's a lot of folks that's at those lot of places. But we're glad that you're in the house of the Lord with us today. And looking forward to God doing something great for us in His house. How many came expecting something from the Lord? Amen. 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 Well, I won't have to do too good preaching this morning because some of you didn't come expecting too much. But we want to um, make some announcements before we get into the Word of the Lord. And uh, one of those is we lost a wonderful, wonderful man, a member of this congregation for many, many years, Brother Rivers. Uh, passed away, I guess, uh, late Tuesday evening, and uh, our prayers are with that family today, and uh, Brother Rivers will be greatly missed, and uh, Brother Rivers was a a uh, very solid man in this congregation that loved God, that worshiped God. He loved to worship, amen, he loved to praise God, and as uh, far as I know, If nothing has changed, that service for Brother Rivers will be at 2 o'clock Wednesday afternoon here at the church. Uh, Visitation will be uh, the evening prior to that at Broussard's. So remember that, all of you that will be called on, the teens that will be called on to help serve or before the funeral probably, uh, please be ready to do so. And... um, and uh, Brother Rivers deserves our very best in honor and memory of him. So remember that. Also, uh, youth camp is about to start. And uh, we will have a sign-up sheet on the welcoming desk tonight for junior camp and senior camp. So what camp you are going to or if you're going to both, please sign uh, both uh, sign-up sheets. We need to know how many is going. I encourage all of our young people to go. I encourage all the parents to encourage the young people to go. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Um, Brother Dwayne Uzzle will be preaching the junior camp. Uh, Brother Vaughn Morton and Brother Nathan Morton will be preaching the senior camp. And uh, we're looking forward to God doing great things for us and a great move of the Holy Ghost. So don't forget that. Due to that, some other things. I will be out of service for the next three Wednesday nights in a row. Brother Duplissy will be preaching while I am gone. And uh, so be faithful to the house of God. I will be at church, but I will just be at different churches. And uh, so that is the next three Wednesday nights. And uh, we'll be leaving as soon as uh, the funeral is over uh, Wednesday and going out of town. We'll be back home for the weekend. And then leaving again Monday and be back home for the weekend and leaving again the following Monday and be back home for the weekend. So uh, summer's a very, very busy time, and uh, I know a lot of people is in and out, and uh, so be faithful to the house of God when it's all possible. And uh, then again tonight, uh, we will be back here having service, and uh, Brother Trey Gore will be preaching for us tonight. And looking forward to that. Appreciate the work that they are doing over in Galveston. And uh, many, many good reports coming from that work there. And so he'll be here with us tonight preaching in this evening's service. So remember that. Be faithful to the house of God. Everybody, everybody uh, listen to me now. How many, how many can tell time in this place? 
what I saw. You've proved it that some of you can't tell time. But prayer meeting starts tonight at 6.30. Everybody say 6.30. We've been a little slack in getting to the prayer rooms before service. Uh, All of this daylight that we have before church has kind of confused everybody of what time it is. But don't forget, very important part of church is the way that you start church. You got to start right to stay right. Amen. So let's start in the prayer room tonight. Remember, prayer room starts at 6.30. If you possibly can, get there before then. And uh, men, you need to be in the prayer room. Young men, you need to be in the prayer room. Older men, you need to be in the prayer room. Ladies, you need to be in the prayer room. Let's wait and visit after church. Can I get a witness? Can I get a half-heartedly witness anyway? Amen. So remember that. Let's remember that. Be faithful to the prayer room. Get here early. If you're here in the prayer room, it's a good sign that you won't be late for church. So that's a twofold purpose of being in the prayer room before church. Amen. If you're going to make it in serving God, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. If we're going to have good church, we've got to pray. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. It is good to see Brother Wallace here in the house of the Lord with us today. And uh, glad he is here with us. And Mickey and all the rest of the the, uh, visitors. Lord bless you for being in the house of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 34 and verse number 35. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Lord bless you for standing for the reading of the word. Hold up before you seat it. Thank you for standing. Now, it's a little bit quiet in here, and I have a little message that, that's not probably going to be the most exciting thing that you've ever heard of. So I'm going to need your, your help today. And uh, we need to come together and have church today. Amen. Amen. Let's kind of lift our hands and lift our voices and break the ice a little bit in the house of God. God, we love you today. We thank you, Savior, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your blessings, for your help today. God, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be in your house, to come to praise and to worship and to magnify and to lift up your great name. You are worthy, O God. You are great and greatly to be praised, and we love you today. In Jesus' name, somebody say, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout that name again, Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord today. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord bless you for standing. You may be seated. Amen. I want to talk to you today about a treasure, a treasure. And uh, the problem with with teaching before I preach, I kind of get 
kind of get to running into one another, and that's not a good, healthy thing for a message because sometimes I slaughter uh, my message before I even get up here to preach it. But, but there are there are those who who seek treasure, and I have I have heard I heard uh, one preacher that was talking about it, and uh, <clears throat> a few years ago. I know this must have been popular because um, back when when uh, we bought the house that we're living in, Brother Duplessis and Sister Duplessis' old house, uh, he had a carport there. It had a shed on it. Well, well, there, there, it was amazing how when they moved out. Now they're not listening to me this morning. I don't think, although there is a couple of hours difference where they at, so they might be listening to me. But I apologize for. For saying this to you, Brother Duplessis and Sister Duplessis. But, but when they left the house, there was some things that they did not want to get rid of. But they did not want to take with them. So they left them to us. My mother-in-law even went as far to tell my, my wife, said, uh, it just looks good in here and you ought to leave it in here. So uh, that went over for a little while. So, so there was some things in a cabinet and uh, my mother-in-law told my wife, said, you don't need that space anyway, and I don't have anywhere to put it, and I don't, want to, I don't want to throw it away. So they left it in there about two or three years after we had bought the house and moved in. And so after about three years, my wife said, you know, said, I'd like to have that cabinet space. And I uh, said, I've told Mama to come over here and get this stuff, and she hasn't done it. So I said, well, I'll fix that. Being the good son-in-law that I am... I went and got a wheelbarrow, and I pulled all of that stuff in a wheelbarrow. And I rolled it to their their back door where they had to go into their house, and that's where I left the wheelbarrow. I said, now, this is your stuff. You can take it and do with it what you want to, very politely and very kindly. But we're tired of watching it for you. But but also, there was a shed out there. Now, Brother Duplessis, he left me some things also. And uh, so in that shed... Uh, when I was tearing it down to build where our outdoor kitchen and our garage is now, um, <clears throat> I went through the shed. I found this very interesting thing, and and I always wanted one of these when I was a kid. But he had one of those metal detectors. You remember those metal detectors? I don't even know if they still make those things. I'm sure they do. But I know it was a fad, because if it was a fad that come through, Brother Duplessis was going to get one of them. Because there was a bunch more preachers that was buying them too, so he thought he ought to have one. I am really surprised I did not find two of them out there. Because when he starts ordering things, he normally if one's good, two will be even better. And so uh, I, I was looking at that, and I was it, it never had been used much. So I got to talking to him about it, and I said, "What well, do you have that metal detector for?" He said, "Well, he said a bunch of us was going to go find some some." coins and and we all got to talking about it so we all bought metal detectors i said well did you ever find anything he said i can't remember if i ever used it or not he said but but i bought one and and uh he said seemed like one time i was out there and i found some coke bottle tops or something that i dug up spent a few hours digging those up and and uh, i think maybe they had went down on the beach and dug up some different uh uh, cans and things that they had found, but never did find any treasure. I'd talk, I, I remember another preacher telling this that him and one of his friends got out and they, they got them some, so they was into all of this, so they, they found this place where it was an old home place. And so, 
they didn't know who owned it, and it didn't look like anybody had been there for a while. So they pulled their car up there, climbed over the fence, and went out there with their metal detectors and were digging up stuff. And and uh, <clears throat> so there, there came a guy which owned the property where they were finding treasure at. And so they said he was quite upset. And it was cold outside and said he gave them a piece of his mind. And they really didn't ask for it, but he gave it anyway. And uh, so he was upset. Who gave you permission? said, well, nobody gave us permission. We just thought we'd stop by this old home place and said, well, what have you found? I think they found an old rusty railroad spike and, and some more things like that. Not too many treasures. Said so they finally got talking to the guy and and it was actually Brother Marler who said this. He's, you know how he is anyway. He kind of makes conversation. And he, he got to talking to the guy. He said, man, said it's cold out here. And the guy said, it is cold. He said, man, we're tired of doing this anyway. And he said, yeah, I said, you can't be doing this on my property. He said, man, I apologize for that. He said, you wouldn't happen to have a cup of coffee, would you? said they went in the guy's house and had coffee together after the guy had given them a piece of his mind. But... But there's been a lot of people that have sought treasure. There, there's one place uh, in uh, Las Vegas called the Golden Nugget. Has anybody ever heard of the Golden Nugget? You've not lost any money in the Golden Nugget, have you? Thank God, praise God, hallelujah. Anyway, but not, not over in Lake Charles either. That's a little closer to home. Better not get into that right now. But, <clears throat> but in the Golden Nugget, they have a Golden Nugget. It's the largest golden nugget, I believe, that's ever been found. Uh, just the largest chunk of gold. I, I, I went in to look at that, and they have it there behind glass, security cameras, police, everything else guarding it because it's very valuable. And uh, it is a nugget. I, I guess it's about this big. And uh, they got a little plaque there describing how how it was found and how... They found this nugget. I can't remember really all about that one, but there was another one that that's probably the size of this, which is worth quite a big sum of money. And uh, it was there, and I remember reading the plaque. I believe it was in like 1968 or somewhere. A guy walks outside his trailer house and kicks something in the dirt. And that golden nugget was just laying there under the very little bit under the surface of the dirt. And so, needless to say, he no longer lives in a trailer house. But, but I have never been so fortunate to do that. I can remember, uh, my daddy telling me the story, and I still have some of those coins today. And, um, there was a house that my, my grandma and grandpa lived in it. My daddy had bought, and uh, long before they had lived in it, someone else had lived in a very old house, and uh, <clears throat> they were working on it. He had some men in there working, remodeling after they had moved out, and uh, they tore off a door facing, and when they tore off the top of that door facing, gold coins started just hitting the floor. 
And so the guy called my daddy. It was a preacher, Brother Brian Taylor. Thank God. It was an honest man. Uh, Brother Brian Taylor called my daddy. He said, man, said, you're not going to believe what just happened. Daddy thought some terrible accident had happened. He said, no. He said, we were working on this house, and I tore off a door facing, and coins started falling out on the floor. He said, you need to get up here in a hurry. Well, my daddy was out of town. And he said, well, take what you have found, lock up the house, and everybody leave. Well, there was some people that was working there that was not quite so honest. And uh, when they got there the next day, every door facing, every window sill, holes in the wall was all torn out. So all they got was what they found at that one spot, which was quite a sum of money. And I have some of those gold pieces today that my mother had given me that was found, some silver certificates. It's kind of neat because you, you never know where treasure is going to be hid at. You never, you never know. And there is people, uh, even today that are still hunting for, uh, sunken ships and they are hunting for things that possibly would be buried and things that, that would be very valuable. And, uh, so, so they go and they try and they, they do everything they can to find this treasure. There has been stories that have been told in the gold rush when we were on our, on our trip uh, in, in uh, where did we go? Alaska. And uh, we were in Alaska, and, and uh, <clears throat> just so happens I got to ride a bicycle. I f- did find a bicycle, and uh, I got to ride a bicycle, and I was riding on this tour, and they said, if you'll look over here, you will see the Yukon Trail, which was a trail where, where they were going during the gold rush. They were seeking gold. They were... Uh, said this is also called dead, uh, one place that we passed was dead horse gulch. And what, what that was the reason for, there was some over a thousand animals that died because they had them loaded down so heavily with their supplies trying to desperately get to where the gold was because uh, they were looking for treasure. They were looking for something that was valuable. They were looking for something that would would supply their needs and their wants and their desires. And, and so uh, many men lost their lives trying to get to these places to find this. A lot of people went, came back empty-handed because they did not find the treasure that they were looking for. Now, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus spoke to His people and He preached sermons and He used... He used all types of parables. If you look in Matthew chapter 13, you will find uh, parable after parable after parable. Some parables just lead into another parable. It's like that leads to this and this, this leads to that. And the whole chapter is full of him dealing and telling stories and and uh, telling parables to his people. The prophecy of the Word of God in Psalms chapter 78 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Give ear, O my people, to the law. Incline your ear to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. But with every parable that was spoken, there was a deep meaning that people had to dive into and and they had to dig into. It was kind of like 
a treasure in a treasure that that when they heard the word, uh, it was just it was just the surface. But when they would start digging into the word, they would find more treasure in the word of God. Even today, this very day, we are still finding treasure in the word of God. As we read the scripture, you can, you can put your Bible on the shelf and, 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 and the next day you can take it down and read the same scripture and you can still find a treasure in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is full of hidden treasures. If you will indulge yourself in the Word of God, hear me young people, more valuable than any book that you will ever read. It's called the Bible. More important than any anything that the teacher could teach you is indulging yourself in the Word of God. Find an interest in the Word of God. Find a desire to read the Word of God. Find a hunger for the Word of God because there is treasure in the Word. And so he spoke to his people in parables. And he would talk to them with parables and in parables. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, that which when a man had found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. Now, there is those who believe the, a couple of different uh, ways to interpret the Scripture. One very popular belief that that most commentaries agree with is that this is God speaking of Israel. Here we have Israel's part in the kingdom of the realm of profession of this age. She is like a treasure uh, that is hid in the field. This is quoting dates. He had lying dormant, failing to fulfill her calling. The field is the world. The man here that is spoken of in this scripture, in this parable, is Christ. Seeking the treasure, he joyfully gives his all to buy the field, to get the treasure and all else that is in the field. The treasure, though found, remains hidden in the world until Christ comes back and possesses in His second coming. Now this is one, one interpretation. I have heard it also described that, that it's like purchasing the kingdom of heaven. Now, now you can take that for what it's worth and your opinion about that, but we do know that, that Israel is God's chosen people. In Psalms chapter 135 and verse number 4, it said, For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for a peculiar treasure. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 5, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be my peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Everything is mine, but he says, if you will keep my commandments, you will be my peculiar treasure. In Psalms, he said, for his peculiar treasure. 
In Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 17. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that he uh, serveth him. And and then in Matthew, or, or excuse me, John chapter 1 and verse number 11 and 12, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to him, to them gave he, he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Now why, why did we change kind of horses in the middle of the stream or, 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 or what, what? What did we go from that? Because, you see, He came unto Jerusalem. He came unto His own. And they rejected Him. But then we as Gentiles were grafted in. That He gave Himself. He bought the whole field. Whatever the price was going to cost. Amen. Whatever it was going to take to redeem man. Jesus Christ was ready to go even all the way to Calvary. Amen. To redeem himself a church. Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall see me henceforth. You shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. In Titus chapter 2 and verse number 14, it says, Who gave himself for us. Amen. Now that's including us, not just Israel any longer, but he said to who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Amen. I don't know about you today, but I'm thankful for the redemption that was paid on Calvary's hill. Amen. When I was a sinner, Christ yet died for me. Amen. When I was wicked and undone without hope and without direction, Christ died for me. I want to tell you today, church, if we're ever going to get excited about anything in life, amen, don't ever sit on your hands and don't ever hold your peace when a preacher is preaching about the redemption power and the price that was paid on Calvary. Thank God for the blood. If it was not for the blood, I would not be here. If it was not for Calvary, I would not be here. But I'm thankful for the blood. I shout about the blood. I run about the blood. I rejoice about the blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. Oh, what a price that was paid that day. The Bible says in the book of Acts, he said, feed the flock of God, the church of God, which he has purchased 
with His own blood. We're a blood-bought church. And if you take very close attention to this, this scripture that I've read, it says in John chapter 1 and verse number 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believed on His name. Call me Jesus' name. Amen. You can make fun of me and call me Jesus only, but when you call me, you call me Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad today that I was not baptized into a triune Godhead, which is not a Godhead at all. Amen. But I am glad that the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in the man Christ Jesus. Amen. So when I went down in a watery grave, I went down in the name of Jesus. Amen. He gave us power because we are called by His name. Amen. I tell you today that His church has always been called by His name. His name was not revealed until the New Testament when they said His name shall be called Jesus. Oh, praise God. But His people has always been one God people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. God said, do you know another God? I don't know another God. Is there a God beside me? No, I know not any God. I'm glad that I am a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-believing, Holy Ghost-filled, baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And His bride is going to be called by His name. His bride, just like your bride, is called by your name. His bride takes on His name in water baptism. But then, the very next Scripture... Jesus goes in, in a continuation, I would say, you know, you could even say a separate parable, but there is a strong connection here in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 45. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now this is what commentaries seem to think about this. Now he's talked about the price that was paid for Israel, the redemption of the church. 
And then he goes into this and he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man. Most commentaries feel like when the word of God is talking about that, that the merchant man is us. And we are seeking goodly things. We are seeking goodly pearls. We have found one pearl of great price. We are out looking for something. There, there is something about people. There is now, now if you don't have this nature, there's there's something that's that's a little wrong, as far as I'm concerned. But but there there is something about the human desire. It wants to it wants to increase. It wants to possess. It wants to become. It wants to grow. It wants to accumulate. It wants to, some people would say, even hoard. It wants, it wants to have more. It wants to expand. It, that's, that's just human nature. They can say, well, that, that's, uh, that's the American dream. That no matter what circumstance you are born in, you don't have to stay there. Amen. So we want more. And so there is something about man that when man, speaking of mankind, male or female, is born, there is a void that is there. This goes all the way back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. That soul craves God. That soul craves the Spirit of God. And so man is searching. Man is longing. Man is wanting something more than what he has got. Man has tried to fill it with activities. They have, they have tried to fill the void with wealth. They have tried to fill the void with narcotics. They have tried... To fill the void with alcohol. They have tried to fill the void with relationship with other human beings. But I want to tell you, there is only one thing that can ever satisfy the longing and the void that was created in man. And that is the one who created that void. And that is Christ Jesus. Amen. You were made with that God-shaped hole. Amen. In each and every one of our hearts that searches after God that looks for God, that hungers for God, that longs for God. I have seen people come into the house of God searching. They're hungry. I've watched them as tears flow down their face as they're hungry for God. And God starts to move in their lives and in their hearts and changes them and and fills them with the Holy Ghost. And they're so excited and so happy. But just as God purchased us, there's two things that are very close here. God went and He said, whatever the price is, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I want a church. 
I'm looking for a church. I'm going to purchase a church. It's going to take Calvary. If I have to go to Calvary, so be it. But I've got to have a church. But people today, they want God, but they don't want to sell out. They had come to the music today. I'm just about ready to close. They are seeking that goodly pearl. That pearl of great price. But then, when they find that pearl of great price, they try to negotiate a deal with God. How much do I have to give up? How much do I have to turn over? What kind of commitment do I need to make? We are living up in, we are living in a shack up society. The relationship without the commitment. The companionship without a commitment. So if I ever decide to get out, I've not really made a commitment, so I just bail out at any time. That spirit, that mentality has come over people when it comes to living for God. There's still something very special about a young man and a young lady. That walks down the center aisle of the church that has kept themselves pure and godly and holy in this present society that we live in. And they pledge their trust to each other for a lifelong commitment. There's something that is special about that. There's something that is special in the eyes of God about that. Far more than just a couple of people on a one-night stand or a six-month excursion. But that has bled over into us trying to serve God. But I come to tell you today, you can't have what we have with the shack-up mentality with God. People want the blessings without commitment. Amen. Saying sex, marriages, is rampant in the society that we live in. They want the benefits of just a common marriage. When I die, I want my spouse to get my social security causing trouble in the society that we live in. That's what we are trying to do with God. We want the benefits. We're trying to negotiate a deal. I want to tell you, when it comes to serving God, it's not like buying a used car. It's not like negotiating with the car dealership. It's not like, I'll give you this price if you'll let me have it for that, and you'll do this for me, and I'll do that for you. No, serving God is about a blood covenant that you enter into with God Almighty. He didn't cut corners when He redeemed Him. A church. Neither does he want us to cut corners when we try to serve him and live for him. I feel like what ones I did have on board, I just lost you somewhere along that journey. But 
But it's still true today. What can I do and still have God? What can I enjoy and still have God? Is it okay to do this and still have God? I want the blessings of God. I want the favor of God. I want the, I want the mercy of God. I want the grace of God. But I want to do my own thing. I don't want to submit to the will of God. I don't want to submit to church. I don't want to submit to a pastor. I don't want to submit to God. I don't want to do this and that and this and this and this. But I want all the blessings of God. I come to tell you today. To have what we have. To enjoy the presence of God. Amen. There's some commitments that's got to be made on our part. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible still tells us that if we want God, we must come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Amen. There's some things that you've got to cut off from your life. There's some associations that you've got to cut ties with. There's some things that you've got to move to when you start to serve God. Amen. It's not just for the sunshine. It's not just for the the good days. Amen. But serving God is a lifelong commitment. There's no one that has ever come to an altar of repentance and said, okay, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And I'll give you this. But I'm going to hold back to this. And I'm going to keep this. And I'm going to do this. No, anybody that's ever tried to negotiate with God never got the Holy Ghost. Because receiving the Holy Ghost, you have got to totally surrender to God. That's the only way that you're going to get it. God, whatever I've got to do. I want it so bad because I felt something that I just want to feel. I want to enjoy. I want to have it with me. Amen. How many times have we seen people come into the house of God and tears start rolling down their face? Brother Bill was telling me about one that that came into his office just this week and said, when I stepped into the doors, I felt something that I've never felt before. I can't explain the feeling that come over me. Amen. But people want the feeling. They want the excitement. They want to speak in an unknown tongue. They want to shout. They want to lift their hands, but they want no commitment. You can't have the power and you cannot have the glory without the commitment. You can't have the power And you cannot have the glory without the commitment. You cannot have the power and you cannot have the glory without a commitment to prayer. 
You cannot have the glory and you cannot have the power without the commitment to separation from this world and this ungodly world system. You cannot have the glory and you cannot have the power without committing to God to be faithful to God's house and faithful to God's work and faithful in living to God. It's impossible. Because when he found that pearl of great price, the Bible said it was one pearl of great price. He went and sold all that he had. He 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 sold everything that he had. He sold all that he had. And he bought the pearl. Of great price. What are you holding on to today? As they play something, I'm closing right now. What are you holding on to today that's more valuable to you than what you can feel in the house of God? What are you holding on today? That's more valuable to you than the gift of God, which is the Holy Ghost. What are you holding on to today that's more important to you than you completely surrendering to God? I want you to think about that today. Something's holding you back. Well, nothing's more important to me than God. No, you wouldn't come out and say that because you're scared to say that. But actions speak louder than words. And God knows your heart. God knows what you're holding on to. God knows what you're clinging to. God knows what you're clutching to. He sees you holding on. And he's saying, after I went to Calvary, I gave my life. I let them drive nails through my hands and my feet and pierce my side, spit in my face. Some of you can't get over attitudes. He let them slap him. He let them lie on him. Well, they done me wrong. I just can't get past it. Get over it. Is that more important than feeling God? Well, I'm right and they're wrong. Both of you is going to hell. You've got to get past that. There's no attitude that's worth dying lost over. There's no activity that's worth more than the presence of God. 
to feel His presence means all the world to me. Just to be in His presence means everything to me. There's some things that money can't buy. When I walk into this house of God and there's nobody in here but me and the Lord and I walk across this front and I can say, Jesus, I love you. And I can feel the power and the glory of God. And I can feel the presence of the Lord. And I feel this feeling down deep in my soul. No, I can't explain it. But I want you to know there is nothing in this world that's worth sacrificing that feeling for. There's no activity. There's no pleasure. There's no kind of entertainment. There's no kind of joy that might would come with sin that would be worth more to me. But one day I found a treasure. I heard about it all my life as we all stand today. I heard about it all my life. But one Thursday night, just before my 18th birthday, I found a treasure. And I sold out to God at an old-fashioned altar. The devil's tried to make some deals. The devil's tried to bargain. The devil's tried, tried to talk. The devil's tried to do things to get me just to sell out to him. But I bought a treasure. And today, some multiple years later, I'm glad I purchased the treasure. When I look at it from this point of view, I realize I got a deal. I got a deal. <clears throat> I got a deal. I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm not addicted to alcohol. I'm not addicted to sin. I got a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. My Lord, I'm about to have a grandson. What a wonderful son-in-law that man is. I got a deal. Man, I'm not doing God any favors. You need to quit thinking that you're doing God a favor by showing up at His house. I got a deal. Man, whatever the price was, whatever it cost, whatever I gave up, it was nothing compared to what I got from God. Hallelujah. 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 I tell you what, why don't we all lift our hands right now, lift our voices toward God right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody reach out to the Lord. Won't somebody let God talk to them this morning? Let God talk to you today. Let God talk to you today.
Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, young people. It's still a best deal. It's still a good deal. Whatever it costs, you're getting a deal when you serve God. When you sell out to God. Hallelujah. I got the best of the trade. I got the best of the trade. I tell you what, if, you, if you're in this place right now and you feel like I, I got the best of the trade, when I look around me and I look at the blessings of God, I still got the best of the trade. Why don't you step out? Why don't you lift your hands where you stand and step out? Make your way to this front with your hands and your voice lifted to God. God, I got the best deal. You, you showed me right. You, you did me right. God, I'm a satisfied customer. I'm not looking for a shortcut. I'm not looking to cut I'm not looking to cut a deal God I'm not looking to change I'm, 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 I'm just in this for the long haul I'm committed to you God you've been good to me hallelujah hallelujah if you don't know God and the power of the Holy Ghost today I tell you I'm a satisfied customer Hear me when I tell you God's good. Hear me when I tell you, believe me when I tell you this, it's the best life. Serving God, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Just lift your hands toward heaven. Lift your voice to God and say, God, I I want you. I want that pearl that's hid in the field. Whatever I have to do, God, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Nothing will ever satisfy the longing in your soul like Jesus. Only He. He's the only one that can change that old heart of yours. He loves you today. He loves you today. He went to Calvary for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, church, let's reach out to God. Come on, somebody give Him some praise right now. Lift your hands toward heaven. Lift your voice toward heaven. Why don't you thank Him? Oh, hallelujah. Keep your mind on the Lord today. Thank you, 
Keep your mind on the Lord today. Reach out to God right now. Hallelujah. 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 God, mighty God. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's pray. Let's pray. Somebody reach out to the Lord. Somebody touch the Lord today. In Jesus' name.